All right. Well, welcome back to the circuit. And today I am pleased to have three guests with me as we try our first panel discussion around the area of hard tech. So I have with me today President and CEO of TechPoint uh, and my my colleague, Ting Goody, along with Nita Ansari, and she is principal at HG Ventures, and then Ryan Henderson, who is the Director of Innovation and Digital Transformation at Conexus, a sister initiative to TechPoint. And we're going to talk about hard tech because it just so happens that the three of you are all founding members of Hard Tech Indiana. And we want to try to wrap our hands around what is hard tech and talk about some of the, the implica implications for what that means for the state of Indiana. Um, so each organization here supports hard tech companies. Um, I'd like to level set on, on how each of us defines hard tech, some examples of hard tech companies and how it differs from other tech. So who wants to take the first shot at that in terms of what hard tech is? Nita, I'm going, right. I'm, I'm going to lean in on. I'm going to lean in on. Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, HE Ventures is an investor uh, in the state of Indiana, and we invest globally. Uh, and one of the sectors that we invest in is called hard tech. The way we define it, and it has a broad definition, right? So, the broader definition being any product or process that can be made tangibly touched, but facilitated and enabled by tech SaaS. Or, or, or a technology, right? Um, for us specifically, there are some realms of hard tech that are out of play, um, uh, like ag tech, um, medical devices, healthcare devices, um, consumer devices. Those are out of play for us, but that's the only reason being we invest in spaces at the Heritage Group from a corporate perspective. Um, uh, we invest in industries or verticals where we can help. So that's kind of you know, we invest in a subset of hard tech, but we call ourselves hard tech investors. Anyone want to add anything to that in terms of what hard tech is? Yeah, we can jump in. Um, I think from the Kinexus perspective, uh, we have really been looking at it as a combination of manufactured hardware um, enabled by software or where that manufactured hardware meets software. Um, and, and especially as, as Nita had said, like the physical product, so product innovation, um, through those two components. And we look very broadly at the type of startups that we'd call kind of hard tech. Um, so industry 4.0, um, biotech, uh, sustainable materials, next gen materials, water and waste management, um, aerospace and defense, uh, applications. Uh, and then also software as a service for the advanced industry vertical. So since manufacturing cuts across uh, a lot of different subsectors, we, we're definitely keeping it very broad. Yeah, that, that's excellent. Yeah, those are perfect points. Um, tech in particular, kind of uh, given the nature of what, who TechPoint has been and what we're trying to become not just on a standalone basis, but in relation to all the other vertical and intersectionality piece, uh, really kind of forced uh, my team and me to really thinking hard and broad about uh, what tech means and how what TechPoint's mission will continue to evolve in the broader context. And we have kind of repositioned recently TechPoint to be not just generic tech, because it could come 
all various different flavors. Even some people think hydrogen as being tech, which in a way, uh, but necessarily in our oil house, uh, we, the, the specific thing we play in the tech that's really horizontal enablement across board is more digital innovation piece or digital piece. So I think that translates really well in terms of thinking about how digital uh, intersect with uh, um, the hardware component for the manufacturing industry that gets into the digital 4.8, 4.0 on the act tech. There's some specific inter intersectionality there on the act tech, seg, uh, act tech side. And that's similar to anything related to material science because all the processing, everybody's workload flow and processing manufacturing involves a digital component. They may not be the most prominent output, uh, but definitely from a digital technology demand perspective, uh, that's how tech point and a lot of technology come into play. I will say the only thing that we don't, maybe in the hard tech sector that we don't necessarily uh, touch is, is nothing digital <laughs> that does not involve a digital piece. Roger and I had that conversation when we're doing open church support. Uh, if it just the company's purely manufacturing animal feed, for instance, that would not, doesn't involve a technology drive new products or services, uh, then it's probably was more on the peripheral uh, industry, which could present opportunities for technology to come in and play a pretty pivotal role in terms of yep. business transformation. So while manufacturing and hardware is arguably the oldest and most mature area for innovation and technology, there's a lot of renewed interest and buzz around hard tech startups and investments. Um, can you share from from your perspectives why you think that is? And and, and let's start with Nita on this question too, since you, you specifically are representing a, a a company that invests in hard tech. Sure, um, but also leveraging the asset base, the big corporate yeah. base they already have in the back in the in their company. That's right. Yeah. So so I might I might take a broader historical cut at that, <laughs> right? Because uh, so my background is in manufacturing. Um, I was in product management, uh, supply chain globally for a number of companies prior to joining HG Ventures. And the interesting phenomenon that happened was, you know, there was a lot of offshoring. Uh, if you think about the early, early 2000s, let's say, I'm not going to go too far back now that we think about it, that's 23 years ago, but it's it pretty far back. There's there a lot of manufacturing that went to China, that went to East Asia, that went to um, other regions of the world because we, we we couldn't keep up from a cost perspective. They, they left because of a cost um, uh, advantage in those regions. Uh, I remember when I was working in manufacturing uh, now about a decade ago, a lot of that 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 cost started to become at parity with with uh, so that it was labor intensive, right? The manufacturing was labor intensive. But now when you've got this tech component of automation, of end-to-end -end diagnostics, visibility um, uh, of processes, inventory management, uh, supply chain becoming more fluid, um, the US becomes more competitive. Um, again, relative to those regions that had taken taken the you know that where the offshoring had led to, so you've got this phenomenon, macro phenomenon of onshoring that's happening, um, and and when you think about now, when you when you go back to a, somewhat of a micro level, uh, Indiana has been the number one manufacturing state in the nation, and in order to stay competitive, there is a huge tech component that needs to layer on to what the goods and services that we're making. Um, in order to make sure that anything that comes back this way, all that onshoring that comes back this way is done so in a, in a, has done so in a 
cost competitive way. So that's that's more broader than what what the heritage group does and participates in. But when you think about what the heritage group participates in, it's in in um, infrastructure, construction materials, environmental services. Um, all of those things are are truly important from a sustainability, secu- circularity, one supply chain, traceability, and transparency. Transparency. So when you think about what I've layered here is your you've got macro trends, you've got economic trends, you've got uh, you've got the the opportunity for Indiana to really take its to to remain and and keep its foothold in being the number one manufacturing state of the nation. And so that's why hard tech Indiana as as our committee uh, calls itself, it, we've got we've got a, a unique opportunity to allow and enable entrepreneurs to kind of thrive in this space geographically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'll add on to that. A lot of these, a lot of such transformation that already taken place inside our corporate uh, partners in our state. We mm-hmm. just have now surfaced and provide a lot more visibility into those activities. Um, now, it's very fortunate. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, prior to this role, like Nita and, and Ryan, we spent a lot of time with the startups and sometimes the hardest thing you're trying to help with the startups of finding the, the vo- true voice of customer, uh, given mm-hmm. the strong enterprise customer facing aspects, a lot of startup uh, aspect, a lot of startup business ideas and business that we're trying to help get off the ground, not fully realizing what's already happening in the, within the innovation cycle that's happening within their customer base. A lot of times are this mid codes and big codes, both in terms of opportunities and challenges. And a great example being Cummins, who's been very much involved. I mean, we think about Cummins, one of those Fortune 500 companies, hundreds of years history based out of Indiana. Uh, if we ask people here today, what does Cummins do? You generally, the branding associate image was engines company, right? But if you go to the Cummins website, they actually, curiously, they have quietly branded themselves to be a, a global power technology company that's that's saying something. And it's also more importantly, they're not even not so quietly on a global stage using a lot of technology intentionally, gradually intentionally transforming the, the products and services that they're offering to their customer base. So beyond, even beyond just the whole cost parity, competitive, state competitive, they want to be viewed as innovation leader and presenting the future leading products and services as that would that would not be associated with the traditional Cummins engine manufacturing company. So that's a that's very telling. And those are the opportunities to asset that's happening now here in our community. But we have we as a community groups or have more opportunity to surface those as well. What maybe throwing in an extra question here, but what's been the reluctance um, in Indiana? venture capital firms or just investors to invest in hard tech? Because I mean, I talked to hundreds and hundreds of investors and in, and I can remember just in years past, as soon as I say it's hard tech, they're like, oh, we don't, we don't invest in hard tech. They also don't invest in medical devices that require FDA. I mean, there's this kind of list, right? So why is that such, such a limitation or why does it seem to be a limitation uh, for, for potential investors? So I can I can take that. Um, uh, I think one of one of the 
<laughs> hard tech is hard. <laughs> um, it, it involves hard sciences. It involves uh, a lot of capital investment. Um, so if you if you take a SaaS company and give them a hundred thousand dollars, that that is far more meaningful than a hundred thousand dollars given to a company that might need to scale or build a physical location, invest in people, um, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So it, the the dollar for dollar doesn't go as far at the early stages. But when you look at the financial return and the jobs created, their hard tech companies are, are very well equipped to be able to have a, a tremendous impact on, a, on, on an economic scale for whatever geographical location they're in. So I, I'd say there is a reticence because uh, among investors, uh, because uh, you've got, you've got a faster returns, uh, uh, you've got uh, lower CapEx, it, both in, and speaking of, just tech software, um, uh, but I'm sure Ting, you, you've you've had quite a bit of experience in in investing. Uh, I'm sure you have a perspective on it, since I, I believe you were mostly on the SaaS side. But um, you could probably speak to it too. Yeah, it's a, definitely the perceived capital intensity. It's a barrier because we, as an emerging venture community, the sort of local pool of capital, not just writing the first half a million dollar checks, but continue to write checks, get to the inf the right inflection point, is that the, the 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 required capital depth. I mean, we as a community are still building that professionalized, managed pool of capital depth, but it's just going to take time because uh, fundraising, uh, even for VCs to to raise a fund, it's hard. It's hard business. And unfortunately, along the way, we have the corporate venture folks like Heritage Group, Legion, and Lilies of the World that are doing their own uh, corporate uh, investing piece that can help alleviate some of the cap lack of depth in capital piece for the hard tech opportunities. And the second thing, I think, is just general right or wrong. It just this perceived long long uh, cycle to market. Uh, to this point, it's not a hard where you can just put on an app store and then you know within three weeks whether you get to the million dollar million users or not, right? It's a it's a long uh, sales cycle, go to market cycle, um, which I think speaks to the opportunity, the importance, what some of the stuff, the Heritage Group and others, and even the Cummins, the 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 corporate partnership, the, what they're doing from a ca capital speeding up the speed to to pathway to market piece. Those are the opportunities because as soon as that's why some of the accelerated stuff that Nida was doing uh, still is involved in was heritage group, group is important because investors want that level of confidence that not only there's a market uh, validation of the problem, but uh, there's folks on the other hand, other on the other side ready to pick up the market integrate a lot of these product services into whatever they're offering as soon as a prototype get to the commercial stage and those two tend to be longer from that perspective yeah. so really kind of mitigate the financing risk and go to market risk from a customer perspective will go a long way to kind of counterbalance some of those right perceptions but still solve yeah hmm. let's yeah i think to go ahead. to kind of just yeah oh, yeah um to make a fine point on what you said Tang, about going to market um from like the connexus indiana perspective we're constantly supporting hard tech entrepreneurs that want to sell and deploy their technologies into advanced manufacturing and logistics facilities um, or maybe they're seeking a partnership for contract manufacturing or research and development but it's not easy to get those solutions into 
and a manufacturing facility. Um, several reasons. I mean, there, there are a lot of competing technologies. So if I think of uh, Cobots, collaborative robotics, which has had a lot more success than some of the other um, technologies for manufacturing and logistics, the amount of effort it is to go to market on a new Cobot product um, is is huge, and it's it's a long it's a long uh, process to to be successful there. And it, and looking from sort of the customer perspective, the companies are always looking for outside sources of innovation. So if you're a manufacturing or logistics company, you kind of have that on your mind, but you have all these metrics, business case and workforce training and use case selection um, that you know you have to figure out before you before you partner with a hard tech uh, company. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an excellent point. Even just from a product and service implementation standpoint, it's a it's a, com- a complex environment. To whether you're fitting into the manufacturing process or otherwise, uh, with operating all these uh, plants and and uh, uh, it it requires the different components. And we're even seeing that in the software space. Even if you're just selling a pure enterprise level software question always come up how does that speak to other software systems already in place mm-hmm. so the you know the the more technology a customer adopts the more integration and complexity kind of introduces so having having that companies and innovators really thinking through how does that fit into the workflow again from a go-to-market invoice of customer standpoint it's really important it's something you don't necessarily have the many of them don't necessarily have the domain knowledge uh, I think that's oftentimes that a lot of these uh, entrepreneurial service organizations or corporate partners can really lean in and help with. Let's um, let's focus in on Indiana a little bit now, since that's where we all are. Um, uh, how what makes Indiana well positioned to support hard tech innovation, and and what are some examples of how our community supports hard tech entrepreneurs? I'm happy to to, to um, tackle this one, at least uh, from the manufacturing perspective. And, and Nita, you mentioned it earlier. I think the the manufacturing infrastructure that Indiana has, so most manufacturing intense state um, by percentage of GDP, most jobs per capita. Um, there's a lot of subject matter experts we have here to help hard tech companies scale, get subject matter expertise um, to think through that go-to-market strategy or the product development uh, life cycle. We have a, a significant intensity of startup accelerator programs that are focused on hard tech broadly. So the Heritage Group, of course, I'll let Netta uh, touch on that. And then a lot of generator programs that are broadly focused on hard tech and, and then a new uh, newer program, an IoT product accelerator uh, from the Indiana IoT Lab and uh, Matchbox um, out of Lafayette. So there are a lot of good things that are happening here that that I think build that support structure that that uh, early stage companies may need. Yep. And I think that someone mentioned, Nita, I think you talked about, um, you know, reshoring or onshoring, right? I mean, there's a there's definitely an interest in the state of Indiana uh, from the top down to incentivize hard tech growth um, in, you know, in particular around a, a few areas. And so I see a lot of heads nodding. I'd love to get some some of your thoughts on what Indiana in particular is doing. What kinds of, of hard tech is is uh, is the state interested in 
in terms of, of growing here. Um, I can take that. Um, I, I'm not sure that I can speak to it from a state perspective, but I do know that from an ecosystem perspective, we've got we've got the right recipe here in the state, right? So like Brian was talking about, we've got um, accelerators, we've got uh, the beginnings of, of capital investment, we've got entrepreneurs eager to start or move businesses here. Um, what from a trend perspective, because we're in manufacturing, because we've got a lot of manufacturing um, in this state, in a variety of end markets, right? You've got the Cummins, you've got the Eli Lilly's, but you've got plastic, you've got healthcare, you've got a variety of end markets. What what ends up being really interesting for us to think about is uh, clean tech, right? So clean tech being circularity, right? So um, are, are those spaces that could be interesting for us um, to specialize in in Indiana? I'm sure Ryan and Ting have a have a point of view on on what their verticals might be for 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 us here. Um, the Heritage Group being uniquely located here, we we do focus on environmental services. We take on the the waste of all the Fortune 200 manufacturing companies um, all over the United States. Um, and our focus is circularity. So when we take in that waste, there's a, there's a really, really strong look at making sure that as little of it as possible ends up in a landfill or in an incinerator. So when you think about what that means, when you back it up into the manufacturing processes, there is an opportunity to make those processes leaner, greener, um, and a lot more efficient to a point where, um, does that make sense for Indiana to, to, to move forward with? And I, and I think there's a, there's a startup genome study that we did in 2021 through the IEDC that that found that in the clean tech might be uh, a, a really uh, interesting space for Indiana to take a look at from a state perspective. And and again, these words are buzzwords, but um, they're they're and they're quite broad, but they're very meaningful to what we do and what we produce here in Indiana. And uh, I, when you think about the the layered systems of services and ecosystem uh, from grants that, that Connexus and Ryan help with to to the venture support program that uh, you and Ting and, and TechPoint has put together. We've got a really interesting inflection point here in Indiana that, that could springboard us into being the space that people look at. We shouldn't be, and we have been, I think, the flyover state, right? Uh, and a little bit of a black hole when it comes to you, a startup that's that's on on the coasts isn't going, oh my gosh, my end, you know, my, my destination is, is Indiana. It's, it's us being looking from the in to the out, uh, to, to say, this is what we could be known for. And that mm -hmm. that's, um, we've got the recipe there, but it's the, it's the putting together of that story and actually talking about it in a forum like this to say, it makes sense. Let's, let's do it here. Right. So, yeah, and I would double click. I really like the analogy that Nida was using the recipe and then different ingredients. Right? The, and, and that sometimes for us, particularly who's in this community, happening for a long time, tend to uh, overlook the fact that a lot of these ingredients didn't really exist 10 or 20 years ago, even as, you know, five or eight years ago. Uh, think about financial crisis now. That was literally the disruption in the marketplace that capital all of a sudden dried up. Dried up uh, for everybody, and fast forward today, barely uh, 15 years later, you know we had a lot more venture funds providing most more steel seed in early stage, but that's just part of the growth, right? You can't 
it's hard to start with a later stage one. You got to earn your track record. Uh, but the number of family offices and, and capital sources and professional managed fund compared to 10 years ago in this market has, has gone up, you know, quite a bit. Same with resource groups, whether it's through mentorships and, and accelerators and programs space. It's another big one, co-working space, a whole boom around co-working space. None of those existed uh, 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 until quite a few years after the financial crisis. So to both Nidas and Ryan's point, those are the ingredients already in place. Now we just, what, what can we do with them uh, as an as a, as a overall community? And I think there's a recognition, at least from those of us in the community building roles, we don't necessarily go need to launch something again, brand new on our own, but let's try to make the ingredients, work with the ingredients that we have, really make a make a bigger impact out of all this, providing visibility to the right resource partners. To me, it's almost not necessarily the, the current phase problem we're facing, not necessarily lack thereof, but how do we how do we provide more access to the right resources? And I think that similar kind of resource orchestration, uh, uh, building more more connected networks concept is kind of resonating with the state leadership as well. You can see that through Roger to your point earlier, uh, a lot of this federal, big federal grant opportunities requires a lot of intentional collaboration among different partners and the state is taking a very strong leadership role in orchestrating all that. That's That's great to see. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great segue, I think, into the next question, which is, or the next, I guess, is a question: the announcement of of Hard Tech Indiana as a collaborative panel between our organizations. So, how do you see Hard Tech Indiana supporting the next generation of hard tech innovators? And Ryan, I'll throw this at you first. Yes. Um, so, Hard Tech Indiana. Yeah, I, I think the. The premise of bringing together the ecosystem support organizations was how can we have one unified voice to support um, hard tech companies to tell the story of hard tech innovation in Indiana. So we pulled together um, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, Agrinovis, the Heritage Group Ventures, 16 Tech, Innovation District, IU Ventures, Elevate Ventures, and TechPoint. Um, to work on that mission. Um, and we spent a lot of 2022 piloting some concepts and convening hard tech uh, entrepreneurs in Indiana to kind of learn who they are, what they're working on, um, and how we can support. And then in 2023, we, we had a big kickoff event at the 16 Tech Innovation District and had over 120 uh, folks attending there and held some panels um, one on venture capital and grant funding and another on innovation spaces and uh, and I'm blanking on the on the other topic that we that we and accelerator programs um, and we we also wanted to learn uh, from those events and, and I think you know from that event we kind of know what companies need from us um, and we can adjust moving forward as a committee and, and keep kind of strategically supporting companies uh, where it makes sense. Yeah, and when you when you think about the players that Ryan named, right? We all and I led with we play in a subset. HG um, uh, Ventures plays in a subset of of hard tech. When you think about the players that Ryan named for this committee, we're all bringing a different piece of the pie. Um, 
to this thing, right? And to this organism, organization, committee, whatever you want to call it. And our intent isn't to re reinvent the wheel. Our intent isn't to replace anything that each of these organizations is doing, but really to come together. And, and, and I think Ryan's heard me use this analogy before is that, you know, we, and, and Ting recognized that we're all kind of doing, making our little efforts in, in hard tech, but we're all little tugboats trying to pull this giant cruise liner along, but we're slightly, you know, off, right? We're going towards our own destinations. When we talk as hard tech Indiana, we have a common goal and that, that provides us the, just the general efficiency to say, what are you guys seeing in the marketplace? Cause I just saw this, this is how I saw at a conference, hard tech deep being defined. Do we want to think about that this way here? Or how do we want to be represented? There, our, our intent isn't to be an events-based organization, but really thinking about it from an entrepreneur perspective. If entrepreneurship is hard, so here are a couple of hypotheses, right? Entrepreneurship is hard, hard tech is hard, um, and and uh, Indiana is the place to be for hard tech. If all of those three things are true, I feel like the thing that we need to solve for is how do we make hard tech entrepreneurship in Indiana as easy as possible, right? And each of us has a role to play in that. But when we think about it from the entrepreneur's perspective, how do we incept entrepreneurs here? And how do we draw entrepreneurs to the state of Indiana? And each of us has a role to play uh, in being able to do that. And I, I, uniquely, right? Um, we we complement each other in, in the best of ways. So, yeah, I, yeah, I will echo that. What I love about what I love about Clark Tech Indiana one is the grassroots, uh, two is self driven. There's and three, there is collective ownership in face of the common problem ownership, not only recognizing the how big the problem is and also recognizing that not anybody alone can solve it. We really have to play our each different piece. So we all have our own ownership, share ownership, but nobody really owns this heart tech thing because it's really a community driven thing from the ground up. And everybody came to the table with a unique assets. I call it, it's no different than a startup, the sweat equity piece. Uh, we, hmm. well, but once we get this uh, funding, get some market traction, we'll see how, just like any other organization startup, let's see, well, we, how can we scale it up, uh, whether continue through continued sweat equity or otherwise. But yeah, it's great to have that strong foundation, that shared drive uh, to really build, to, to build upon. And there's not a lot of places, honestly, outside of, I have lived in this is my seventh city, right? Like this is a, there's not a lot of places in the United States where you can say that we're running an organization with eight, a committee with eight organizations, each with our distinct visions, or we're running it as a community and everybody's just doing what they need to do. And we come together and we do it well, right? Indiana happens to be one of or, uh, the most connected physical spaces, states, Indianapolis happens to be one of the most connected states. And, and this, it's showing in the work that we're doing. And, I don't think there's on any other place where I, or any other committee that I've been on in any other place in the United States where I could say, I just show up and I'm just giving my time to this community. We don't, we all collectively take responsibility for it. There's no one leading. I mean, there, there's no one pulling and pushing for agenda. There's, it's just community driven. And that's, you can't say that about, I don't know. And I would challenge anybody to say that you could say it about any other place that, that, yeah. that, uh, that isn't Indiana, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that what we're doing by working together is where we're, we're trying to make it easier, but we're creating a platform, we're creating a place where those entrepreneurs can feel comfortable 
to, to know that they have the backing of different organizations, to know that there are potential investors here, that there are accelerators here that can help them. And it's it really is the, the coming together of all our organizations and probably more. So, so for people who are maybe watching this uh, this podcast and you're thinking, wow, we need to be a part of that, then by all mm-hmm. means, please let us know because yeah. we want you to work with us. Uh, Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So last question, um, as we as we look towards the next year, what are the areas investors and entrepreneurs should be watching for in hard tech innovation here in Indiana? I'll take it from the manufacturing perspective. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we've seen a lot of semiconductor manufacturing uh, come back into the U.S. and there's been some big developments in the state of Indiana, um, and there there's just a lot of space in that big manufacturing subsector where you know it's ripe for hard tech innovation. Right? There's fabrication, there's packaging, there's all these processes um, that are really intricate, really complicated uh, that that companies that startup companies could you know provide some value to. Um, I think there's also biopharmaceutical manufacturing as well, uh, which Indiana has historically been a leader. Um, but you think of vaccine development and, and other new drugs, um, just a lot of space as well for, for some of the medical um, leaning hard tech startups to, to get their footing in. And then the last one that comes to mind is kind of the electrification of everything. And I'm thinking a lot about Indiana's leadership in automotive um, and aerospace. So just thinking about that transition um, and all the potential innovation that will happen there um, in terms of in terms of the, the outside source of innovation to, to these OEM um, uh, automotive suppliers and so on. So a lot of different places that it could unfold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I think layering onto the vertical, we could see it in, in um, supply chain um, and the technology that enables all of those things, right? In hard tech, uh, if you've got um, uh, transparency, you've got dashboards, you've got information that needs to be needs to be um, easily processed and viewed from the start of an in a, a manufacturing process all the way to the end of the manufacturing process. Uh, you're going to see, wh- however that in, in whatever vertical that unfolds, you're going to see the the transparency and the, the increase in the amount of information um, needed to enable each of those verticals, right? Any one of those verticals. So I, I think it, I, I, my perspective would also be that it, it's, it could be in clean tech, it could be uh, in environmental services um, with the level of infrastructure that we have building, it could be in renewables. Uh, so we've named all the buzzwords right between Ryan and I, but but uh, I think that speaks to the level of opportunity that we have in Indiana because of the major players that we have here. Um, so it's, it truly is an inflection point. It's the, the possibilities are endless. Um, right. There's a lot of, it's not just one industry that dominates Indiana, right? There's just a huge mix from automotive and food and beverage and plastic products all the way to some of the kind of software companies that are headquartered in Indianapolis, there's the market has very, uh, it's just very diverse in terms of, um, it's, it's industries. So a lot of opportunity. And I would just, uh, 
conclude by saying from a technology standpoint, given the the heavy business to business software or tech focused, digital focus that we have here in our state, um, you know, for a lot of these technology buyers and users, particularly in the corporate setting, platform consolidation has been going on for years. So it's no longer sufficient just to be that point solution, even though you can be the super cool point solution. Uh, and how do you fit into the whole work complex workflow and environment? Uh, it's important uh, from day one to think about. And then later on top of that, obviously, AI is in everybody's mind, chatbots, intelligence, conversational, you know, however you visual, audio, wherever you want to uh, not, not having that piece, it's going to be more and more problematic. We were just, some of us were just on the call earlier today. Literally, it's a, it's a government-sponsored community site. Even the AI and chatbots, intelligent chatbots, start to come up as a potential mm-hmm. competition for information. So just the, the the rapid the rapid market, even the, the, the really the the mass commercial adoption we all been hoping for decades is finally here. It just the speed it just can be a little frightening sometimes for these companies who are trying to put a foothold in the very noisy and crowded marketplace. Yeah, uh, yeah, I. Yeah. I I think if we flip to the other side of it, like if I was an entrepreneur and I heard heard this answer, I would basically say, all right, well, I could be an entrepreneur in any hard tech space and Indiana might be the place for me. And it is it true? I I really do think that it 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 very well could be. Like you're you're uh, when you think about the committee that we have, right? We've got we've got players in the healthcare space, we've got players in the infrastructure space, we've got players in the environmental services space. Uh, clean tech, circularity, uh, advanced materials, next generation materials, um, all of which have a place here in Indiana. So if I was an entrepreneur, I'd say, okay, well, uh, how do I and where do I get started? And 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 uh, the the people and the faces that you see here, hearing, talking um, about this is is a great place to start. But um, it, that's that's the evolution that we're going to keep working on as hard tech Indiana is that, to make sure that it's it's easier and easier for an entrepreneur that might either have an idea or might have a scaled business that's somewhere else and is looking for a more, more um, we're looking for growth or a place to scale a physical place to scale um, to easily just say all right well this is Ting is the person I need to call if I want to if I want to uh, you know end up in the right place right but but it really is that there, there there's a lot of verticals that Indiana happens to be uh, in pockets. If you look at not just central Indiana, if you look at Indiana as a state, there's there's pockets where we're good at, we've got medical, we've got plastics, we've got uh, manufacturing, we've got tech. Like, and again, it goes back to that that recipe. So, Yeah, and we're seeing that. Uh, we have been uh, with our, through our venture reports, quarterly venture reports, different vertical tech opportunities, where the venture dollars and how, what's the deal flow and deal value. And to knit an excellent point, it's no longer just a few that we're familiar with. The, the data actually shows uh, that we're seeing more startup uh, venture investing activity in, in dozen different verticals here. And it's Roger and I were the ones who was cleaning up the, trying to describe verticals to the, the deals. It's, it's getting harder and harder. And, yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time today. Again, uh, Ryan Henderson, Tingudi, Nita Ansari. Uh, thanks for giving us uh, about an hour of your time today to, to, to be devoted to this topic, which we think is very important. 
And again, it is the collaboration, I think, that's going to allow us to be successful. I think that's what we've proven in the past with soft tech. You know, and we've certainly built a foundation here. Uh, this has become, Indiana has become a very tech-friendly tech hub, in, in my opinion. Um, and I think that we have the pieces in place to, uh, to take the next step, which is to grow out uh, hard tech in the state of Indiana as well. So again, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for hosting, Roger.